We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my wonderful friends. I'm so happy to be hanging out with you today here on Empower Radio. Very, very honored. Yes, you know, it seems everyone wants love. Everybody wants romance and happily ever after. But if we all want the same thing, why are fulfilling relationships so hard? Yes, relationships can be amazing, incredible, and wonderful. They can also be excruciatingly painful. It seems most relationships start with attraction, optimism, and fun, but then things can change somewhere along the line, and that's when it can get really confusing. I love this quote that I read in the book, Couples at the Crossroads. A bend in the road is not the end of the road, unless you fail to make the turn. But how do we know whether we should make the turn or stop traveling down that road? How do we know when a relationship has run its course and it's time to move on or if it's time to dig a little deeper and use the challenges that come up in relationship as learning experiences and opportunities? Here's another great quote from William Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And yes, relationships that last and are healthy and successful certainly take the qualities of courage and commitment. You've probably heard that 50% of couples who marry will end up divorced. Here's a statistic that I was not aware of. In a survey conducted a few years after couples divorced, 70% said they should have tried harder and longer to save their marriages. But here's the problem. They didn't know how. When times get tough, we need tools. We need skills. But where do we turn to get this vital information? Well, that is the important topic of the conversation here today on Journey to Center. I am talking to Dr. Susan Schwartz. She co-authored the book, Couples at the Crossroads, Five Steps to Finding Your Way Back to Love. Dr. Schwartz is a Jungian analyst and received her training at the C.J. Jung Institute in Zurich, Switzerland. Dr. Schwartz also has a degree in clinical psychology and has contributed articles and chapters in several professional journals and books. She lectures and presents workshops on relationships all over the world. So, Dr. Schwartz, I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you here today. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me. Such an important topic and I am I'm absolutely thrilled to be having this conversation and knowing more about this. It sound, it's your book. I've read it. It's a great, great resource. Um, it's filled with some great information. And I can imagine being um, so helpful for people who are at the fork in the road in their relationship. I'd like to know a little bit more about how this book came into being and why you wrote it. Well, you know, um, a, quite a few years ago, Danielle and I, the other author of the book, were actually, and this relates to relationships and oneself, were sitting in a lecture and we were bored. And we started talking to each other. And from our boredom or our feeling that something isn't fulfilling here, we created an idea of let's work it together. Let's write a book about relationships. 
And there we were. We didn't even know each other. And we started talking. And again, out of the boredom and the feeling that this is a dead end, we created something else. And I'm saying this because it actually applies to what happens when relationships feel like they're at a crossroads. They feel boring. They feel, I've done this before. And maybe there is something in that time and space which would want to be honored so that both partners can make something happen. Yeah, that's a different way of looking at things because I do think so often people get bored and then they look to something or someone else outside of them mm-hmm. to, to re-energize them or give them that feeling of being alive or vitality. But you're saying that's maybe not the best place to be looking. Well, you can look outside, but you can know that probably if you're immediately looking outside, you're going to repeat the exact same difficulties or crossroads or boredom or whatever it is that's not going on that you've already got. Because the issue is it's there to be dealt with and to find uh, what the lesson is for yourself, for your partner, how to grow. It, it's not to remain stuck in the situation. It's to know that you're in this situation and it wants some more knowledge from you, some more consciousness, mm. some more relatedness. I love that. It's sort of like you can run, but you can't hide. You take your, your stuff with you. Well, and that- you're, you're going to take your own baggage with you. Exactly. And that, that brings me back to that, that um, statistic that I read in your book that I found fascinating, that 70% of people that ended up getting divorced said they should have tried harder, that they maybe could have tried a little bit longer, probably because they, they brought their stuff with them and recreated a similar situation. I would imagine that's, that's yep, bringing their baggage with them. Yeah. And that's exactly what does tend to happen. Unless people examine their life at that time, they're go- and if they jump out of it and think, oh, it's better down the street, they're only taking the exact same baggage and they're not learning anything. And so, therefore, they realize too late, uh-oh, I am in the same thing I was in before. I should have done something. Mm-hmm. We have these Which patterns mean that, that It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're necessarily doing it now. Because, once again, I think a lot of people just don't know what to do. I think that's absolutely true, and that's why I think your book is so powerful, because it can help people um, with some tools about what they can do at this point. Yes, and the other thing is that Daniela and I had very much wanted it to be a book where people reflect on the information and use the information to talk with each other about what's going on, not just just, uh, how to, where you do one, two, three, four, and five, but where you reflect together about what it is that's happening inside of each other and in the partnership as well. Mm. And that's, I love that word, you know, it's a, it's, it's a team, it's a partnership. Let's figure this out together. Because so often, I'm sure you see this a lot, where people are pointing the fingers at each other. Yeah, and you know, when you, when you and we do speak about this in the book, when you're pointing your finger at your partner, you might take that turnaround and point the finger at yourself and say, what am I seeing in my partner that really I don't like in me? And how do I have this opportunity to take that energy, which is just going out, projecting out onto the partner that they're this way or that way? How am I that way? Mm. And that creates an identification and a teamwork with each other. Oh, now I don't have to blame that person. I can say, well, I'm experiencing that as well. I'm doing that also. 
Mm-hmm. And that does create such a different kind of uh, conversation because you're not defending yourself. You're not uh, attacking and defending. You're, you're communicating on a much deeper level. And that's exactly right. As you were saying that you're not attacking or defending, what it does is it, it makes the conversation more interesting than he said, she said. It makes it a conversation that both people want to explore what is really going on. It's it's a time of questioning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I do think healthy partnerships should be more about exploration of self than, than being entertained by somebody else, that romance, you know, it's like, it's not going to, to last forever. But if you start looking at relationships as an opportunity to know yourself in a deeper way, they take on a whole new feeling and color and, depth. And I think what happens is as we go deeper with our partner and with ourselves, we come to many bumps in the road Mm -hmm. because that's just a part of being a person. So we come to see our dark and our light side and all kinds of things that we might like or might not like. And that's how we deepen. We admit who we are. We don't admit who we are by having it all be sweet and light all the time. Yeah, we have to look into those dark corners, and sometimes we find yeah. things that we don't necessarily, we're not proud of, that yep. maybe we feel guilty or ashamed about, and we're willing to look at those things. Well, and I think also sharing those things with our partner, because they're, they could be shameful, they could be difficult, they could be, oh my goodness, I never told anyone this, and those are the things that actually bring us closer to each other create intimacy, create trust, confidence in our relationship is really by sharing the, actually, to me, I think, those are the really interesting things about what it is to be a person. Mm, I love that. And I think it's so Mm -hmm. true. What comes up for me as you're speaking is just uh, the courage to be vulnerable. Yes, the courage to be vulnerable, both things. Courage and vulnerability, how can you have a real relationship, a real one? I mean, one that has a lot of layers and value and is intriguing and difficult. If you don't have courage and vulnerability. I don't think you can. I, I don't think you can either. <laughs> but, I, but I think that's interesting. I read somewhere that the word vulnerable also refers to the places that we've been wounded so the places that we've been wounded, say, in our childhood or in our daily life now or 10 years ago or whatever, are those are the places that really come forward at the crossroads and they're the times that want attention so they can have some healing. Yeah, that's fascinating because I think the well, the knee-jerk response, if somebody gets near a wound, it's uh-huh. like you're going to want to protect and defend it right. rather than talk about it, expose it you know, be transparent with it, that does take a lot of courage. Uh Well, it's like what really heals when we have a wound on our body. What heals is not always having the Band-Aid on it. There's a time when the Band-Aid has to come off, and the air or the environment or the attention helps heal that wound. It's very different than keeping the Band-Aid on. Or how many times people will say, oh, I would never tell my partner that because it shows too much of who I am. It's a very place. 
that needs to be expressed. In other words, not keeping the secrets, not keeping things behind, but um, exploring um, by expressing. An, an example might be dreaming about your partner and sharing that dream. Even if that dream is of having sex with another person, it doesn't really literally mean that you're having sex with that other person. It means that whoever that other person is, it is showing you yourself what you need to bring, what you need to get close to, what you need to bring into yourself and your relationship. People oftentimes do not understand that. Yes, yes, yes. Something else that I read about in your book that I really love, and I think it's so accurate, you think challenges or problems are more linked to one's past and perhaps their childhood than the actual relationship with the other person. Can yeah. you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, well, if you think about it, where do we learn intimacy in a very um, almost primitive, primeval way? from the beginning, is in our childhood. And we treat ourselves and our partners quite like we were treated. It's almost like, um, you know, your favorite food oftentimes is the kind of stuff you used to eat when you were a kid, no matter how you've learned from then. So it's, it goes into the layers of our personality, how we were treated as a child, what we learned, what hurt us, what felt good. And we tend to repeat this in a relationship, not every relationship, but most intensely in an intense and intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Usually, people are not aware of this and therefore become surprised, upset, and repeat their childhood reactions in their adult relationships. If they can figure that or make sense of the fact that this is there for a reason and that it will be a way of unraveling some of the conundrums of childhood, understanding the childhood reactions, bringing it into the present. It will bring them even closer. I love They'll that. I think absolutely of- true. Yes, yeah. I think that's fantastic. So does this somehow relate to something else I read in your book that I thought was interesting, that we are kind of wired, almost wired to sabotage our relationships. Does that somehow correlate with what you're talking about? Well, it does. I mean, I think that all of us, nobody was raised perfectly, and that would be horrible anyway. <laughs> but, right? But, yeah, but we'd we, be boring, we, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, right, right. But what happens is that we... Um, we, we learn things that take us away from ourselves. That's that sabotage. Mm-hmm. But they take us away so we come back to ourselves. So the sabotage, the things that we have learned that might be destructive, are there so we unravel them and allow them to get back to the wounds, to the problems, to the situation so we can expand our life. Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, it makes like a circle. The hurt and the wound and the sabotage brings us into a certain amount of discomfort so we can open up to the wealth of our personality. Mm. That's really what we're talking about as well, and that crossroads and problems are are not really horrible things. They're natural things that happen, and they give us a chance to expand who we are. 
That's yes, what they're there for. It's just a different, yeah, it's just a different way of looking at life and approaching relationships. It's just a very, very, uh, I think, uh, different way of looking at things. And really the only way that a relationship's going to work in a very deep, fulfilling, long-term way. Mm-hmm. I think we meant, well, I know it, that we meant not to look upon difficulties as punitive or we've done it wrong, we're not good enough. But let's look at this as an opportunity for knowing even more about ourselves and about each other. Let's learn to sit down and really get to it. You know, there is a place for down and dirty. And, and that actually brings something beautiful from it. Mm, I'm thinking about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, by down and dirty, I mean... Very honest. Mm. I mean, really saying not not to hurt someone, yes, or to be hurt oneself, mm-hmm. right? Not not yes. to instill hurt, but really to insert instill understanding. And we are all blind to ourselves. I mean, we just have to admit it. We are. There yes, are blind, blind spots, spots we've got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely and if, agree. And if someone is a real partner. They will say, you know, this is how it is for me. How are we going to work it out? Yeah, that can be a challenging conversation to have, something I've found that it's like if I can have even the challenging conversations but still have an underlying energy of um, approval and respect, Mm -hmm. things go much better than just saying, you know what, you did this and you pissed me off. Like withdrawing the approval seems to be the kiss of death. I think it does. Mm-hmm. I think that you also said something which we speak about as well, and that is having an attitude of respect and compassion. Yes. yes. It goes mm-hmm. with teamwork, and it goes with really not, not pointing the finger at someone so they'll get it, but more let's really unpack this envelope, let's open all the letters, let's bring it out, open the emails, Open the text. Let's put it on put the it table. Put it out on the table. Let's exactly. put it all on the table. Mm-hmm. But, with an, but with the right attitude. Yes. That's what you're saying. With yes. the right attitude. Yeah, with still that, that respect. It's and wanting neat. to listen. Because so often, and you know, I do couples therapy, and so often I see people coming in and they want to be heard, but they don't want to hear. They don't oh, want exactly. to listen. Mm-hmm. Do you see that happen a lot? Well, because we are also insistent on having our own personal agenda be met, and what you had said about approval, and I'm right, because of feeling hurt, I'm right, it doesn't, it doesn't promote conversations. So people need to learn how to listen to each other. Yes. I think that is just absolutely key. It's vital. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. I'd be interested in knowing from your perspective, Dr. Schwartz, how would, say we have some people listening to us that are maybe in a relationship and they have some questions about whether they want to go the long haul, if they want to take it to the next level. What would you see as some warning signs that a couple is, they're not moving in the right direction and how can maybe they make course correction? Well, I think, I think one of the things that happen might be a couple. One might be a, kind of an internal withdrawal away from each other. 
where I won't tell so-and-so this and I won't say this and I, I think I'd rather come home later. These little kinds of things. I don't, not calling, not connecting during the day. Um, I would say very difficult fights. Once it's already at that, that's a pretty hard place to be. But the little signals of kind of forgetting to think about your partner is a clue. Mm-hmm. Spend the whole day and you don't think about your partner at all. Something's going on. So right there. And no kindnesses to each other, feeling bored, not creating um, a special date night or special times. Those are little pieces along the way which signal we should start taking care of this because it's only going to get worse. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I really want to go into that a little bit later um, as far as what, what are some things we can do to start bringing ourselves back to that. Um, so I also want to go into um, the fact that you are, I think this is so fascinating, a Jungian analyst. And I want to know a little bit about how you think that influences or affects your perspective on relationships. I know you mentioned a little bit about the dream work. Um, you could talk more about that or, or anything you want to share in regards to this, because I think it's such a profound and rich opportunity for exploring ourselves and our relationships. So I'm fascinated by this. Well, you know, I, I look at whatever is in front of myself or that I'm around or the people that I work with as well, that there are symbols and meanings in whatever's happening. It happens for a reason. You didn't just forget it. And there's, there, and the reasons are very serious ones as invaluable. And so whatever comes in the dreams, I think it's really lovely when people um, learn to share their dreams. You know, they, they would um, wake up in the morning and say, hey, I had a dream and this is what it was. And that creates kind of a bridge between people or this happened to me the other day. Boy, that seemed to really fit with this. And people bring meaning into their lives. They don't say, oh, this was just bizarre or this was just stupid. Here's respect and a different attitude. Mm. It becomes, oh, this was meaningful and this was important. And I understand that this happened for some kind of a significant reason. Yeah, I love sharing and I love hearing about people's like revelations or epiphanies or, you know, personal ahas or noticing patterns. I think that's one of the most interesting things in the world. And I'll often lead conversations with my husband. It's like, oh my gosh, this was interesting. And he just laughs at me because I say that so often. (laughs) But it is interesting, I'll bet. It's interesting. I think so. Yeah. But he still stays there and listens. What's he laughs and then he listens, yes. <laughs> yeah, right. But you see, the interesting is that there's a challenge, there's something important going on. I, I don't know that both people in a partnership have to be, as, both have to be equally introspective, but I think they both have to have an attitude of openness and wanting to know wanting to know themselves and the other person on a level that life has meaning. It's not just some 
thing rote that we're going through. Yeah, that's that brings up a, a, a point that I wanted to to discuss with you. It's like, do both people have to buy into this? Like, I wake up with all these bizarre dreams, and you know, I want to talk to my husband about them, and he doesn't remember his dreams. He goes, "I, I go to sleep to sleep." <laughs> it seems like you go to sleep to dream, <laughs> and I I like to use dreams to wake up. And he'll listen to me, but he doesn't really share his very often because he doesn't have them. So I like what you're saying that we both don't have to be. I am very, very introspective, and he tends to be a little bit more masculine. That he's out there making a living, and you know, he's he's naturally conscious. But I, I'm different. So you're saying that's okay. I'm saying that's okay, and I have just a few comments on what you had said, which is that you might be dreaming some of the dreams that he's not, and he is dreaming, but he's not remembering them. That's what's really going on. Yes, that's probably and true. Yeah, yeah. And, and men, I mean, I think each person has a different amount of masculine and feminine inside yes. of them. And Absolutely. what they bring to a relationship could be clashing, and it could also be very cohesive. Who's carrying the masculine, who's carrying the feminine, and who's carrying the combination of the two? Mm-hmm. And do two people have to agree on everything? I don't think so. Nor do they both have to be as internally oriented, but they have to be have to be, which is not really the right word, but can be um, respectful and caring about what each person is bringing through the relationship. I like that very much. And I know for us, it's like, I don't judge him. He doesn't judge me. You know, we look at each other and go, really, is that how it's like in your world? (laughs) Is that what it's like in your mind? And and there's a curiosity. What's it like to be you? Tell me more. So it's like a like visiting another planet. And I don't do that just in my relationship with my husband, but with, with uh, anybody I choose to have a deep conversation with. What's it like in your world? And respect and, it and respect the differences. And I wonder how many people in a relationship ask that question. What is it like to be in your world? I mean, it's a wonderful question to ask. And that's really what we're saying in the book, which is that Let's explore what it's like to be in your world. That's beautiful. I love your book, Couples at the Crossroads, Five Steps to Finding Your Way Back to Love. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, Dr. Schwartz is going to share with us the five steps to reconnect if we are at a crossroad in our lives. So I'm excited about hearing about this and sharing this with you. So hang on. We'll be right back with Dr. Susan Schwartz. This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl. What? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold. People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? (laughs) What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What do you say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt! Hi, I'm Rebecca Romaine. 
As a former model, I used to walk runways all over the world. Paris, Milan, New York. This is Salif Diara. As a local health worker, he walks the pathways of his village in Mali, West Africa, every day to help treat severely ill children. Like many children in the developing world, those in Salif's village are threatened by common illnesses that kill millions worldwide. But unlike villages without a local health worker, the children in Salif's village get the care they need to survive. And even though you can't walk in his shoes, you can help him with his work. Help one, save many. See where the good goes at goodgoes.org and find out all the ways you can help get the good where it needs to go. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council. The odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland, spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One in 800,000. And the odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the... You're listening to Empower Radio. Now, back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hey, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with me here on Journey to Center. We're spending some quality time with Dr. Susan Schwartz. I'm having a wonderful conversation about her her wonderful book, Couples at the Crossroads, Five Steps to Finding Your Way Back to Love. So, Dr. Schwartz, what I'm really um, loving about everything you're saying here is that people need to take personal responsibility. So even if they're not at a crossroads in their relationships, if they're having challenges in their life, they could probably still gain um, immense value from your book. I would, I would think so because part of life is the crossroads. So it's however true. you're at it, yes. yeah. So and and it creates and again, as I had said earlier, it's an opportunity for looking at yourself, learning, growing. I mean, it's it's it, you know, people do not usually learn when things are going great. Yeah, I, you know, I think life can be. I mean, it's it's pretty much guaranteed that it's going to be bumpy. It's not necessarily. Right. It's not supposed to be easy to be human. It, it is. That's it's right. tough. It takes courage. And I think it's an opportunity to, to grow and evolve and heal. And once I kind of opened my mind to that possibility, I stopped being a victim and started, uh, I think, looking at life as an opportunity to become more empowered and to learn. And I, that's what I really got from reading your book and having this conversation with you. And, and I love that. But that's exactly what we are promoting in the book, Couples at the Crossroads. I, it's the, also this sense of, you said it, of empowerment and responsibility in a very serious and way that isn't that doesn't take away the humor and the need for a variety of feelings that are happening. Yeah. 
I, and I like that. I like that you're saying that because it, it, it's supposed to be fun. It doesn't have to all be this tragedy and anguish. Mm-hmm. We can also laugh through the ridiculousness of it and have That's fun, exactly. with, even when things are hard. Yes, exactly. So mm-hmm. important, so important. So before we went to break, I shared that you would be sharing some of the, the steps that we could take, the five steps that we could use to reconnect. So I'm very excited about hearing about this, and I've got my my little notepad, my journal here with me, and my pen, and I want to hear more about these five powerful steps. Okay, so well, let's start with step one, and that is surveying the road. So one of the things that we do in the book, Couples at the Crossroads, is make the metaphor of going a relationship as traveling down the road together, getting in the car, the, the condition of the car, the condition of the road, the condition of the environment. And so this is surveying the road. The road that you're on is also a road that you've been on. So it's a current road and it's also a past road. And it's looking at your really putting, I had said earlier, putting the cards on the table, putting everything out, looking at what's going on realistically, taking off the rose-colored glasses. Yes, let's get real. And, yeah, getting real and seeing your partner as a whole person, not as the person you wish they were, or the person that they are not, but who is this person really? I like that because I think so often people fall in love with somebody else's potential. So I like that, that you're saying that. It's like look at them as a whole person, not what you wish they could be or you know, possibly could be, but they're whole already. And as you see the other person more clearly, you have the opportunity to see yourself more clearly. So true. Right. So you're not wishing, I wish this road was different, I wish this was different, I wish I didn't have this problem, but you're saying, this, I do have it, and this is where I am in my life right now. This is what's going on. Mm. So I hear acceptance rather than resistance when you say that. It's acceptance rather than resistance. Yes. Absolutely. Because yes. the resistance means that you're you're not seeing your road well, your vehicle well, your relationship well, yourself well. If you accept it, you get to see the ups and downs, the ins and outs, but you're more prepared to deal with it with true acceptance. Yes, because what we resist persists. So if you're not in acceptance, how are you really going to deal with it? It's not reality. You're not dealing with what is. Exactly. I think the other thing that's difficult about surveying the road is that we tend to live in a world that doesn't want to look at what's really going on. So we use a variety of things to pretend that it isn't really what it is. And by doing that, we then miss the value of what's there because we're wishing for something else and we want some fantasy story. And if we really look at where we are, we have an opportunity to find the good in it as well. I, I say that. I say something similar to that. Most people seem to want distractions to dist- yeah. distract themselves from their pain or whatever they don't want to feel, whatever they don't want to be, which is they look to distract themselves. And that can look like so many things, food, alcohol, shopping, other relationships. It, it can look like so many things. So I, I like, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And, and it's, 
very, very valuable. And, and mm-hmm. I think that has to be the place we start if we want real change, real and lasting change in our lives. Exactly. And then that leads to the second step, which is unearth what's causing the damage. Mm-hmm. And, and why we use the word unearth is we're talking about what we call shadow emotions. And these are the ones that have gone, you could say, underground and that we've learned to deny, not look at. Um, and these are the issues that actually tend to erode. You know, it's like putting things under the carpet. Yes. All the dirt under the carpet soon makes the carpet not smooth. Yes. So these so are the things that we um, encourage people to look underneath by through their own listening to themselves, by listening to their dreams, by, by finding ways into their unconscious. This is the stuff that's been going on underneath that maybe they haven't even been aware of themselves. Mm. Be ready to, to, to open up those closet doors and, and look inside. And I think part of that, and you can tell me if this is what you mean, seems to be like exploring like childhood wounds looking at where we ended up making some, some decisions and beliefs about who we are and our value, so looking exactly. inside, becoming introspective. Becoming introspective, which in our extroverted, not-so-introspective culture is not so easy. So when people come to a crossroads in the relationship with themselves and with their partner, they don't get so much encouragement for going inside. There is an underlying encouragement to get out of it, go on to the next one, this is really terrible. People will oftentimes say that rather than saying, why don't you stick it out? Why don't you see what, what's valuable there? You committed yourself at one point. Why are you feeling like you shouldn't stay? I mean, unless there's something really awful like abuse that's going on, that's a different story. Right, but, yeah. Yeah, but so I think that unearthing means going back to the issues that have been dragging at us our whole life, and the crossroads are a time that bring it out and allow us, because we've got to, we're in too much discomfort, allow yes. us to be able to look at them internally. Yes, instead of looking outside, look inside. So that's, that's a really important and powerful step for sure, I think, mm-hmm. if you want to have a healthy relationship, or a happy life, a fulfilling life. It's so exactly. vital. So vital. Exactly. exactly. Fantastic. Yeah, so, okay, so now we're to number three. Step three. three. Yes, what's which next? Is, yeah, which is unpacking and sorting the baggage. Mm-hmm. And this means allowing ourselves to feel in ways that we probably would not like to feel. We might feel depressed, lonely, betrayed, angry, overwhelmed, really letting the feelings come out to ourselves and to our partner of what the real reaction in quite a deep way is to this difficult time and allowing ourselves to really feel it. Too many times I think people say, well, I've been sad for a couple of weeks, so now I better get it together and move on. But maybe it needs more time than that. Maybe it needs more emotion than that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we want to be just, maybe we've got more baggage than we realized. And Most people do, I think. I know I did. <laughs> well, exactly. And you know, 
because we we don't know we don't really we we're people who always our personality is one that's always unfolding so the baggage can always be opened again i think it's the attitude with which we open it hmm. which is important and an allowance for you know it's taking one partner maybe longer or different way than the other partner one might be quicker to pick things up the other one takes a little different time one forgets the other remembers so that the the feelings that are going on and the full range of feelings sad to happy and and backwards and forwards really that people learn to bring them out and give them space and room to breathe allowing your emotions yeah yeah Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is rebuilding trust for the journey ahead. So important. So, so important. So how do we rebuild the trust? Well, one of the key things that we talk about here is learning empathy. It's being able to, we can't really do this, but we can, which is being able to stand in somebody else's shoes. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's like what you had said earlier. I'm interested in finding out what your world is like. Mm-hmm. That's empathy. Mm-hmm. I want to know what your world is like. I want to know what your day was like. I want to know how you feel. I've said this to you. How do you feel? So it's getting in touch with the emotional connections that people used to have and was part of probably the beginning love, the beginning infatuation, the beginning attraction. And gradually, people don't realize this, but they start to withdraw their emotions. Yes, that's and true. The trust, mm-hmm. yeah, and the trust comes from sharing the emotions. Yeah, because if you don't have that trust, you don't have the solid foundation to build anything on. Right. And, and yes, empathy, compassion, and I think absolutely having that for the other partner and having it for yourself, that has been a trip to try to figure that out that I need it for me, you know, yes. I think, you know, I, I went around trying to find people to rescue in, in my primary partnerships. And I realized it was because on some level I wanted compassion. I was looking for people to have compassion for, and then I realized I need to have it for me. And then I can authentically have it for someone else. Exactly. That was, that was a trip. <laughs> right. But, but that's part of the trust. And yes. you also said a word. Absolutely. Trust puts us completely into a relationship. It says, I'm going to put everything I, in, I have to build it, to recreate it. Not, not from the bottom up, but I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to both give it in. all I have. Yes. yes, both feet in. Both feet in. Absolutely. Mm, I like that. And the step yeah. five mm-hmm. is access the emotions that fuel your relationship. You know, tell me I more think, about that. That sounds yeah, really that's, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, again, in the world of emotions. And it can be done in a very conscious and from the unconscious way. So one's dreams, your dreams might tell you how you want to relate to your partner and to yourself. You might remember to contact your partner bring them their favorite coffee, something favorite, something little, maybe something big, a surprise 
do things out of the ordinary, mm. reach out, physically reach out. Here we talk about sexuality also as such an important part of recreating, rebuilding intimacy. It oftentimes is one of the hardest places to bring the sexual ease, comfort, attention, honesty back into the relationship. That's true. That can be a, a kind of a scary area, I think, you know. It can be very scary, but it starts with these small but lovely places of, hi, I was thinking of you, mm-hmm. or do you want to go out tonight, or I brought you this, or I, I did this, or send an email or a text or do something, <laughs> right? That's just I like that. Easy. You know, I would do that sometimes with, um, I would see a funny card and I would send it to my husband and he would get it at the office and he's like, you're so weird. But I think he kind of liked it too. Yes, because <laughs> you know? it says, I'm thinking about you. Be thoughtful, be full of thought. I like, I think that's, I think that's such an important piece of the puzzle. And people will say to me often, why do you think your relationship with Steve works? And I said, I think if I had to put it in a nutshell, it's because I lead with gratitude. I lead with appreciation. Wow. You know, well, again, every day. Yeah. Exactly. Just little things. The everyday appreciation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that relates also to sharing your philosophy, your way that you want to spend time. And and again, I would reiterate, sexually, living life from the fullest with an attitude of gratitude, compassion for oneself, and also wanting to reach out to your partner. And Mm. really making that obvious to your partner. Not that they would know it, because you can't expect them to know it. That's true. You can never assume that. You know? No, you cannot. No, you, you cannot. can't assume that. No. Just saying it out loud, it's, it makes such a difference in relationships. I've worked with people, and I'm like, what do you appreciate about each other? Let's just say that out loud. And when they would do that, uh, sometimes the other person would cry. Well, don't you know I think that? Right. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. But hearing it, it seems, putting it in the air, <laughs> seems to do, it changes. It's palpable what happens. The change in the room, the change in the energy, it's, it, it, it's fascinating. Well, I think, yeah, I think what you're saying is that it's making conscious what goes on in the unconscious. And it's bringing it, it. Mm -hmm. it's bringing it to the awareness of both partners, how much each cares, each struggles, each is trying, each is confused, and each wants something to happen, which will be fulfilling for themselves and their partner. And so the, the couples at the crossroads become a, couples who, a couple who are able to make it down the road, not just settling, but expanding, growing, learning, and really uh, appreciating themselves and each other for all they've gone through. Yeah, what you're sharing, what comes to mind for me is the word relatedness. You start to really relate to one another, which again, I think probably creates that, that relationship. It does. It does. But, you, but what you're saying as well is that it deepens the story. It makes special the most average mundane, let's go to the store. 
-hmm. It makes it special because you're with someone who you now trust, who you have weathered some storms with, who you now realize will listen to you, who you can bring out your darkest self with. So it makes just an average experience a rich experience. (laughs) I, I can totally relate to that, and I think it's true. It's like implementing all of these these uh, steps and and all of your your um, little nuggets of wisdom creates the sense of, of comfort and trust but it also creates that opportunity for adventures in the smallest of, of things the grocery store or, or you know simply going out for a little lunch it's an adventure but right. there's a comfort in it and there's a connection right. with that right. Right. We, we actually wrote this book from believing in people, not believing in the pathology, but mm-hmm. believing in the strength and the knowledge of people that they have chosen to be together for so many reasons. We just want them to be able to make those reasons conscious and to be able to value what they've got so that they can continue on their road together in a fulfilling way which keeps on opening. Not that, oh, well, now now we're fine, end of story. But now we've repaired something, and now we're open for what else is going to happen. I like that. I like that so much. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people get together. They, they think Prince Charming's going to rescue them or, you know, they're going to find that beautiful princess and they think they're going to live this happily ever romantic life. But romance and excitement, you know, when that starts to go into another season, a lot of people, they don't understand that it's just simply going into another season and there's great opportunity for that. I think that part of that's part of what we are saying in our book yes. is that the crossroads actually leads to another season. Mm-hmm. And that that's season what I get. leads to another season. And, and we, in our belief in people's ability to expand and learn and grow, we also know that it comes from wrestling with things it comes from opening to the stuff that you as you said would rather keep in the closet but Mm -hmm. those are the places and the people with which we feel closest because now they understand us now we can be us and that is that's really intimacy it really is finding your authentic shape loving your authentic shape and then uh, connecting with somebody else who you naturally fit with because they too have found or want to find their authentic shape. I like, and, yeah, a, yes, yes. I like a quote that you have in your book, and I think it's just words to live by in regards to healthy partnership. Love does not consist in gazing at each other, but looking outward together in the same direction. Well, I like that quote as well. <laughs> And, and I would, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> yeah, I do too. But I would say that that many of the quotes that we use were set just for that very reason of that quote, which is it. And we hope our words do as well to make us think and to make us feel and to bring the emotions that we have about ourselves and our 
partner and our difficulties and our strengths and our resiliences to the forefront. We want people to be aware of everything that they're bringing into their life. I, I love it. It is a book about empowerment. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are on Empower Radio. So, of course, I love that. And we don't have much time, but I just want to mention quickly at the end of your book, you have a lot of bridges to recreate intimacy. And I think that is so, they're so powerful. I'm, I'm excited about exploring some of those myself. So it's very um, experiential. It really mm-hmm. gives people the tools to um, bring into their relationships and, and create profound transformation if they want to. Exactly. And I think it also, we want to promote that each person and each couple finds those bridges or those rituals that really resonate for them. We don't want to say, do this and do this and do this. But we want to say, work together or enjoy life together to find those places that resonate. So that's why we give a few ideas. Also with the, and at the end of the book, with the knowledge and the hope that people will have learned to honor their own strengths, their resiliences, their abilities, so that they can create the things that are really going to be empowering for them. Yeah, I really feel that this book can absolutely transform people's relationships in their lives. If they're ready to look at things differently if they're ready to take personal responsibility and, and, and if they have the courage to do it. But if you don't do it now, you're going to do it later. So I really, really recommend this book, Couples at the Crossroads, Five Steps to Finding Your Way Back to Love. So Dr. Schwartz, if people want more of you, where can they get a hold of you? How can they get a hold of you? Well, we have a blog. Uh, we have a, a website and a blog, uh, www dot couples at the crossroads dot com. That's how they can get a hold and get lots of information and from that they can also get a sample chapter. Very cool. Yeah, this has been just amazing. I, I love this book and you know we have a lot of uh similar thoughts and beliefs and, mm-hmm. and you state them a little bit differently and it's really fun for me to explore and see things from different perspectives. So this has just been uh, a pleasure and an honor. I feel like I've enjoyed connecting with you and I've also learned from you. And to me, that's, that's the best. <laughs> well, I would like to say that it's been a pleasure and honor for me as well. And also oh. a learning experience too. <laughs> What's mm-hmm. better than that? That's not, I was just thinking the same thing. What's better There's than not that? much better. There isn't. I, I absolutely agree. You've kind of made my day. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you. Me too. Absolutely. And I just want to do a shout out to Brent Carey, the creator of Empower Radio. We love this forum. And just thank you, thank you, thank you for your courage and commitment to the network. And Steve, you're such an amazing producer. It's always so fun to, to play and create with you. Thank you for helping us with, with the technical aspect. And my listeners, I'm so honored you decided to spend a portion of your day with us. I hope you're feeling inspired and uplifted. And if you want to get a hold of me, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, check out my website, TammyBPhD.com. That's spelled with an I, T-A-M-M-I-B-P-H-D.com. Or write to me. Questions, comments, you want to be a guest on the show? I'd love to hear from you. You're in my heart. You're my prayers. Onward and upward. We'll connect again soon. Bye for now. <laughs>